All right, quick confession. I love every one of those movies that was just shown. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but this has been a fun series. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series so far? Yes, good, good, good. Well, I'm Jeff Murphy, and I'm one of our pastors on our staff, and uh, I have been on a road trip before I dive into our conversation today. Let me give a quick uh, shout-out to our amazing teaching team, both Ed and Richard, and on Father's Day, Will Griffin-Hagen, so thank you guys. Those guys did a phenomenal job, very grateful for our uh, great team. Uh, well, hey, it's good to be home, really good to be back, I promise you. Uh, when I'm elsewhere, I miss our church. We actually had a chance uh, while we were on vacation uh, to go to church. And uh, we went to a little bitty country church with like 50 people in it. And uh, no music, um, just and a, a very small town, very, very country, western uh, type feel. And uh, sweet environment, wonderful people. We were blessed to be there. It was like Wherever you are, uh, whatever style church you're in, it's neat how you can connect with God. And so uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, let me give a shout out also to anyone watching online today um, and any first time guests. So glad to have you guys here today. All right, so we are in our series, Summer Road Trip. And uh, we've been talking about road tripping. And I know you have been on road trips. We've asked this in days past. Uh, I've been on road trips. I'm I'm a very accomplished road tripper. Uh, in fact, I've shared this before, but when I was a kid, my dad drove us in an RV from Miami, Florida, all the way to Alaska. Um, and in that Alaska trip, we toured, it seemed like, all of Alaska, and then drove back home. Uh, so we, we've road tripped, lots of road trip. In fact, I just came back from Alaska, wasn't a road trip, we flew trip. Um, but uh, just got in last night, but man, we had a phenomenal experience. I want to show you a couple quick photos of our trip just to, to whet your appetites for those of you men who did not go on our Alaska trip, all right? We will do, that's Ryan Salmon. Uh, Brooke is on our staff. Ryan caught the biggest fish. That's a halibut, uh, and so we had a lot of fun, a lot of great things. You guys can just scroll through those. A um, lot of good stuff. That was a hike. Uh, the weather was, was ominous most of the time we were there, so we didn't actually see a whole lot of uh, great mountains around us, but, but like just little moments. Um, but that was a part of a hike where we took. and So basically we worked throughout the day and did, uh, because, because it stays light till like 2 a.m., uh, we extended every bit of time we could and did everything we could do in Alaska. Uh, but we worked throughout the day. We got to serve two different places. There was an older church that we replaced all the windows in the entire church, and we uh, had some guys who were skilled on our team that, that could help with those things. And we also, on because we took some military guys from our church, they planned for us, which is a great connection helping them, to be on their military bases, both Army and Air Force, and we got to work in their, their chapel, their actual chapel like our church on post, and build a sound booth much like we have in the back. And so we, we, we had some great experiences <clears throat> on top of the work that we did and the play we did. Uh, our guys, we just had a wonderful experience with each other. Uh, we played hard. We had a great experience. And, and God really did connect with our hearts. So if you are a man, and I know that we have many in this room, I want to challenge you the next time we do our Alaska Man Camp, you need to go. It was phenomenal. All right? 
So get fired up for the next time we do that. All right, so we had one experience where we were, we were on our way to this amazing glacier, which was two hours, about an hour and a half, two hours away from us. And on the way, the road got really, really, really windy and dropped off one side. So one side, you have complete sheer drop off. The other side, you got mountain. So if you had an accident, you, you wanted to go to the mountain, not fall off the cliff. Uh, so on our way up, we got, we got in a jam, and in front of us was a crash. And how many of you guys know that on road trips, you will see a, a crash? If you've road tripped enough, you've either had a crash or you've been a part of crash. Uh, and I want to do this this morning. I want to look at this life of a guy named Peter in the Bible who on his road trip, he crashed. He had a major crash. He, it was a kind of crash that, that, that really wrecked him for a period of time. But Peter had an incredible road trip. Uh, in fact, Jesus walks by him at one point during his darkest days and says, hey, follow me. And, uh, and you see years and years and years of, of God doing amazing things in Peter's life. There was miracles. Uh, there was, he got, Peter got a cool nickname along the way. Uh, and he really become, he becomes one of Jesus' top three guys. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to look at this guy, Peter, uh, for a moment this morning. And I relate to Peter. You will relate to Peter. Peter was an ordinary guy. He was just an average guy, average Joe, ordinary person. Uh, very relatable with people around him. He had some some flaws. We have some flaws, but I personally relate to Peter. Um, I was uh, at times a wild child. wasn't all that bad, but sometimes a little spicy. You know, uh, made some mistakes, but just really an average kind of guy. Um, and I look at Peter, and Peter was uh, probably a very unlikely choice for God to use him to change the world. Uh, I, I feel like probably most of us consider ourselves as like, ah, probably not God's choice to do much, to, to have influence, to, or have an impact, or even fulfill a great purpose, or to fill up any purpose. Peter was that kind of guy that you would not have thought he was that kind of guy, but then God picked him. And, 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 and I feel like God, God um, picked me to, to do what I'm doing these days. Um, and what's crazy about that is I remember thinking back to my very first speaking experience, uh, my very first speaking gig. Uh, I was so scared the very first time that I had a legitimate have to drive somewhere and speak at this, this scenario that I was so scared. This is how normal and ordinary I am that the fear of speaking was so enormous that that on the way I had an idea to get out of this speaking, I backed my pickup truck into uh, this wall and bent my truck up and called and said I've had an accident. Um, so, so I'm your pastor, and uh, it just shows that God has a very unique uh, humor. Uh, I didn't want to lie, so I had to make it a truth. Uh, and I just want to say that I keep very, very high uh, insurance these days on all my cars. So, uh, so right before Jesus' big moment on the cross, uh, right before Jesus uh, predicts his death and, and goes and gets dead, Jesus also predicts, he predicts Peter's crash. And he, he just basically just predicts and tells Peter, you're going to fall. You're going to fail 
you're going you're gonna to kind of botch it all up. You're going to make a huge mistake. And Peter says, absolutely not. There's just no way. I love you too much. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm your band of brothers. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not going to fail. And Jesus says, no, not only will you, will, you, will you fall, but you're going to completely deny that you know me three times. Uh, and so his, Peter's crash is so epic, the Bible records it four times. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's, it's all right there. It's recorded multiple times in the Bible. Uh, and John records it this way. John 18, 18. If you got your Bible this morning, look this up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. John 18, 18. If you're new to Bible study, we'll throw this up on the screens for you. But, but it says this, because it was cold... The household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. We'll come back to that. We'll look at that charcoal fire because it's very symbolic in this story. There was a charcoal fire that had been made and they stood around it warming themselves and Peter stood with them warming himself. Eventually, if you know this story, a little girl walks up in this scenario and she asks Peter, uh, weren't you the guy with Jesus and Jesus and Peter's first denial happens right then. He says, no, I don't know her. A moment later, a little while later, a servant says, hey, you're the guy with... Peter cuts him off and says, no, I'm not the guy. Second denial. Third time, someone asks, are you with Jesus? Like, just to, just to like, you know, just drive it in a little bit more, Peter specifically says, no, I'm not with that guy. He gets angry. He curses. I mean, not only does he deny denying Jesus, but he's... He's mad, he's upset, he's completely just drawing a very physical strong line. Peter said, I do not know the man that you're talking about. Luke 22.60 says this, and immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. And it's like this deja vu, right? Been there. I, 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 it feels like I've had this experience before. Yes, because Jesus told you it was going to happen, right? So he is wallowing in his denial in this mess. The words are flashing through his mind, and this is what was said: "Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you ever have known me." And at that, Peter left the courtyard. He knew what he had done. His heart was just broken, and there we have the crash on the road trying to do the right thing, wanting to be this Jesus follower, knowing that this is the Savior of the world, his belief, his heart, his life has been tied to this guy. And Peter walks off weeping bitterly. So here's the question. Uh, Let me me just relate for a moment with us. Have you ever crashed so bad that you just wanted to go off and hide? Have you ever blown it so bad? I mean, you know, morally, uh, maybe even just stuff that you thought, maybe it's uh, part, of the, part of the connection you had with somebody, you just severed it by something you did or said, maybe relationship with your spouse or something at work. Have you ever been so broken that you just wanted to hide? I mean, just get me away from people. I'm just, I'm just botching up everything that I've got. All the things that I love the most. And isn't it often that we hurt and crash with the people and things we care about the most? 
don't know why that is. I think it's just part of our sin nature. It's part of the temptation lure of our enemy to, to, to hurt, to steal, kill, and destroy. Some of you, you've crashed your marriage. Some of you have crashed your marriage and you, you're, you're thinking, I'll never marry again. I'm not marriable, right? I'm not good enough. Or maybe that's the enemy's lie that you're, you just don't have what it takes or you're, something you're flawed so bad that you can't be back in a love relationship and you, you think, I'll never marry again. Some of you have crashed business. Maybe it's a character flaw and you, you think, I'm never going to risk again. I'm never going to step out. I'm never going to step out and, and follow God by faith. Or I'm never going to jump out there and just, like we sang about a minute ago, Peter walking on water. You know, I'm never going to go out there and step out and try to follow Jesus in a, in, a, in a moment of like thinking I'm pursuing Him by faith because I've blown it in my past. Maybe you've crashed with your kids and if you're a parent, yes, you have. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't think there's a parent out there who doesn't think somehow I'm the culprit, I'm ruining my kids, right? Have you ever, let's be honest, just for this is a little, anybody like you, you feel like I'm so flawed, I'm, all I'm doing is passing on flaws, right? If you're a kid this morning, you're not flawed just because you're parents, right? We're all flawed. But let's be honest, I mean, there is a real emotion, a, a real sincere feeling of I've, I've blown it so bad. They can't recover because of what I've done. And sometimes it's even a feeling of maybe they're better off without us, right? Um, maybe you've crashed your character. You've crashed your integrity. Uh, maybe you're a victim of crash. Maybe someone has hurt you so badly, you're wounded in such a way that you think you could never be whole or be made right again. So, Here's, here's how God responds. And this is what's beautiful. This is, what, this is really the essence and the whole picture of the Bible. If you ever just wanted to sum up the, the visual of who God is, how He sees us as mankind, if you ever want to just sum up the Gospel message, you want to talk about who God is and what He sent Jesus for and His connection and His pursuit of mankind, this is how God responds to our worst failures. This is how God responds to our worst crashes. Peter runs. He hides. Natural response. He goes back to what he knows best. He goes fishing. And essentially, this is game over. Right? In his mind, he's like, I've been tracking with this guy, Jesus. I was a part of his team. I just severed this relationship. I just crashed. I blew it. We burnt this baby down. And this is game over. Road trip over. Let's just go back home. Let's just wheels up. Let's head back. <clears throat> so Peter, now fast forward, he's been fishing all night. And sees a guy on the shore. And he realizes it's Jesus. And all of a sudden, it's this moment of like, what if I can help? What if I can remedy this? And he dives in swims the shore, hoping he can make it right. John 21 picks it up, verse 15, or 9 through 15. When they got there, now this is the guys um, on the boat that Peter has been fishing with. When he sees Jesus on the shore, they all track in. Peter, Peter gets there first, but when they all got there, 
Here's what's unique. They found breakfast waiting for them. You ever had a fight with your spouse and the next morning they get up and they make you breakfast and you're kind of dumbfounded by it? Like, coffee in bed? What? Right? You, you, know, you know that's someone offering some you know, love and grace or like, let's, let's solve this. But here's what's crazy about this story. You know, when I blow it, I don't expect somebody to, to, to love me back after I've wounded them or I've just blown the whole thing up or when the crash has been so messy and ugly. It's just, it's just dirty. It's just ugly at times, right? And here Peter finds himself swimming back to shore and he gets a smell. He gets a smell of that same charcoal fire. He gets a smell of, I don't know if it's eggs and bacon or what, what was being cooked, but he begins to recognize this is Jesus on the, on the shore waiting for them with breakfast. Fish cooking over a what? A charcoal fire. Now, the last time he was around a charcoal, charcoal fire, he had denied Jesus. By now, he swam the shore. He smells breakfast, but the smell of that, that, smell of that charcoal fire has got to be somehow casting some doubt in his mind. At this point, I'm thinking he's going, uh-oh, backstroke, right? Um, last time he, I'm standing around a charcoal fire, I crashed. What's Jesus up to? I'm, I'm thinking he's, I'm in trouble. And have you ever had a smell or a song or a place, uh, maybe a trigger that, that reminds you of your failure? You ever been to a place, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, this smell reminds me of when I did, or I blew, or I, you know. Well, here, Jesus invites him for breakfast. Um, and all of a sudden, Peter kind of walks away, and he's, he's, he's like, I don't know if he's, he's scared, he's thinking Jesus got this charcoal fire, there's this smell, he's just going to throw this in my face. Uh, and he walks off for a moment, and he's counting fish, thinking Jesus is going to remind him of his failure, kind of rub his face in it. But here's the thing. Here's what we have to know when it comes to our failure, the fact that we're flawed, the fact that we are sinful. We'll never be perfect. Here's Jesus' response to that. After breakfast, Jesus asks Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Playing a little bit of a question-answer game here. Yes, Lord, Peter replies. You know I love you. He's thinking, gosh, this, he's going to rub this in my face. This is just a, this is a spanking. This is a little, little whooping here. And then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Keep tracking with me. Come with me. Be a part of what I'm leading you to do. Don't essentially fall off the map because of your failure. Continue with me. I love you. Jesus tells him. And then verse 16, Jesus uh, repeats this question and he says, Son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter says. You know I love you, then, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said again. Third time, verse 17, he asked, asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that he asked the question again a third time and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, here's the questions. Here's the question. Why does Jesus go to the trouble of waiting on the, the shore with a charcoal fire? 
Why, why create this moment? Why does he ask Peter three times the same question? See, here's, here's my belief. I think the charcoal fire isn't to remind Peter of his failure. I don't think that was the point. I think it's to restore Peter at the very point of where he failed. I think God wants to restore you at the point of your failure. In your notes this morning, I want you to jot this down. Your enemy, and I think this is very clear, if you've lived long enough, you've made mistakes, you've failed, you've crashed, your enemy, his MO, is reminding you of your failure. Your enemy reminds you of your failure while your Savior restores you where you failed. You see, I believe with all my heart God uses our failures as the point of our restoration. So that someday your failure is this this old battle wound that you refer back to and you are reminded of that scar as the place where God loved you back to Himself. I I, um, remember... Um, crashing professionally with uh, failing at our very first church start. Um, new church, wanted to help people. Uh, my wife and I, we sold everything. Um, and our very first church just fell apart. Uh, no moral failure for us. Um, basically just, I couldn't make it go. Some of you guys have heard me share this story before. Um, I, I remember looking at my wife and thinking, I'm a loser. You married a failure. Uh, I, I remember feeling like I, I, just, I just maybe am not good enough. And we shut a church down in Atlanta. Just crushed us. Just crushed us. Um, felt disqualified. Felt like I let God down. Bruised. My wife literally beat me on my chest and said, who shuts the church down? And my natural response, like, where's the church? Where's, like, Corinth in the Bible? Where's, like, Ephesus in the Bible? Where are they at? You know, I defended it. Um, <clears throat> maybe God doesn't use ordinary people. Maybe, maybe if you've ever failed at something, we're just failures. Maybe if you've ever blown it, that's who you are. And I think that's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is to define you by anything you've ever done in your past. And for you to hang on to that because he wants you to become that. Why all along, Jesus is is luring us however he can back to himself to the very thing through the process. The very thing that has caused us to stumble. So, one day, we uh, sensed God leading us to Columbus, Georgia. Um, and with, like, hardly effort, uh, just us just saying yes, here God launches my church. And the very first Sunday, over 620-some people, and over the next two weeks, the very first two Sundays, we have over 100 people bow the knee and make Jesus leader and figure of their life. Um... 2 Timothy says this, chapter 2, verse 13. And I love this verse. I claim this verse. I think this is something we should 
sink our teeth into and hang on to. It says, if we are unfaithful, which all of us have been there, if we are unfaithful, here's the promise, He remains faithful. If I'm unfaithful, the good news and the Gospel message is that Jesus is who He says He is. He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins. And when we blow it, when we make mistakes, when we're reminded of our past, when the enemy uses our past to try to frame us and continue to tell us that's who we'll always be, our Savior, He remains faithful. He, can, he cannot deny who He is. Peter might have denied Jesus, and he did, but Jesus can't deny Himself. He can't deny His love. He can't deny His mercy. He can't deny His forgiveness and grace. I might have failed. I might have felt like a failure. But Jesus never failed me. Jesus restored me through, through the very thing that I had failed at. Not long after Peter shows back up, uh, in, he shows back up in the same town a little bit later on in Jerusalem where he had denied Jesus. And check this out. He preaches a message. And in that moment on that day as God moved, 3,000, there were 3,000 new believers that day. And this is what Peter becomes known for. Acts 4.13 And when they, the accusers, his haters, uh, outsiders looking in at the ministry of Jesus and his followers and at Peter, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. And they were astonished, Scripture says, and they took note that these men had been where? And with who? Say it loud. With Jesus. The guys, that's what I'm talking about. The very person that Peter denied is now known with being with that guy. The guy who denied knowing Jesus because it's the guy known with Jesus. See, God just doesn't offer forgiveness. He offers full restoration. Full restoration. God wants to lead you to Himself. And the closer you get to Him, the more you're fully restored. And God wants to continue to lead us back to Himself. So if you ever crashed your marriage, you can become known as having a great marriage. That's what, God, that's what God can do. And I know many of you would say, that's not possible. And if that's how you think, let me just remind you, could it be that that's what the enemy is saying to you? That maybe you've believed? That maybe you've accepted Him? And what He said is truth. But as we see through Scripture, You've crashed. You've burned. You've blown it. We see a story here where Jesus wants to re respond with restoring you right exactly where you've failed. Right exactly where you've blown it. You've crashed your marriage. You, you could be known for the guy and the woman who, who are doing it right. 
Not perfect. But have a story of look how God's redeemed us. Maybe you've crashed your kids. You can be known for, known for as a great parent. Maybe you've crashed your business and you can become known as a great leader. Maybe that's what God wants to write as a part of your story. Maybe your, your integrity has crashed. You can become known for restoration. One of the worst phone calls that I ever got um, to this day was probably a year and a half ago. I get a call from Allie. Um, she's my oldest. And uh, she said, Dad, as she was choked up, I've been in an accident. Uh, very first time I get that phone call. Um, she'd been driving in probably a year or so and um, was on her way to school, going to Columbus High. And um, been raining that morning, like a torrential rain pour. We're eating breakfast at house. I'm getting ready to go off to work. We get the phone call, and, and Christy is instantly going, what's wrong, what's wrong? She can tell, and I'm, I'm hanging up the phone, and I'm like, out the door. Um, if you've ever been in those shoes as a, as a parent, you know your first response is, I've got to be there. Um, I, I rode as fast as my truck could get to where she was. Um, the tension and struggle I had was getting to her. Uh, the highway was blocked. There was actually three accidents in sequence. She was in the middle of them, um, all the way down 85, uh, from, from up above airport throughway to where she was going to get off at Macon Road. There was no way to get to her. So I got off the highway and jockeyed around and was on the phone with her, and she's like, Daddy, you got to come. Daddy, you got to get here. And it's pouring down rain, and I'm like trying to find out how bad is it? Are you hurt? You know, I'm thinking... She's in shock. She doesn't even know she's, if she's hurt or not. And as, as any dad would do, I mean, I, I break every law there, there is to get to my daughter. Uh, this is not about um, anything other than one thing. I've got to get to Allie. Um, I remember telling her to take pictures of what was around her, and she's taking pictures, and her bumper's like 80 feet in front of her, and there's one sign, and... And so finally I drive up over, I forget what it is, but near Burt's Butcher Shop and what goes down to CSU. And I'm on the bridge and I'm looking down on the highway and I see her. So I'm like, I, I back up, I go back around, I go, I go on or off and on ramp, I'm down in the dirt, I make it to her. And all I want to do is get to my daughter. And um, here, here's the point. As a dad... I wasn't there to tell her, you blew it. You're a poor driver. <laughs> all, all I wanted to do in that moment was to put my arms around her and tell her, Daddy loves you. All I wanted to do was serve her. I, I fixed her car later. <laughs> there was nothing in me in that moment that wanted to, to, to spank or to get mad. My daughter was wounded. She was hurt. And she was in need of her daddy, and, and her daddy, all he wanted to do was to be there for her. You see, when it comes to our failures, when it comes to the times we've crashed, I'm an imperfect dad. I'm as flawed as flawed comes. But I promise you this, our Heavenly Father is not flawed. 
His love is perfect. My love's never been perfect. His grace is unmatched. His forgiveness is, is amazing. His grace is never-ending. And what He longs to do when we blow it, when we're hurting, when we're in our mess, is to show up and be our defender, to be our Savior, to be our forgiver, to be our rescuer, to be our friend. And to, to me, he, he's, he's my Father. He is my very best friend. And in the darkest, worst mistakes that I've ever made, what I've learned about Jesus is He is my friend. Some of you today need to move a few steps. Take a few steps towards Him. Move from, um, He's some distant God. You know, He's some nice religious name to moving to a place where He's your friend. Like, He's, he's your dad. He's, he's your father. He's your Savior. And He wants the most intimate relationship with you. And he wants to lead you through your struggle, lead you to a place where He restores you and actually uses your struggle, uses your mess, even uses, uses your sin tendency, right? For your growth and potentially for somebody else's future of maybe knowing Him. Let's pray. Lord, I want to just say thank You that in every time that we've been on this journey that we've crashed, we've blown it, we've burned things up, we've, we've just been the worst of ourselves. God, You've been there. And God, that's a fact. We see it all through Scripture. That's, it is Your nature. It is who You are. We cannot change or deny who You are, God. So Lord, I pray that all of us today would just open our hearts, open our hands, open our minds to accepting Your grace, Your love, Your forgiveness for us. God, I pray for those that are Christians today that would say, I became a believer, but man, I, got, I, 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 I blew it, and I got off track, I got off road, I had a crash. And I want to get back. I want to I get back to being where He is in close proximity. And you would say today, Jeff, pray for me. That's me. Just I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I need to get back on track. Just raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. All around the room, yes, 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 all over the room. God, I, I, I do ask, God, there are times that all of us, we lose our way. There's moments where we just, we just aren't with you. We're trying to pridefully do things on our own. And God, we know where we end up when we're on our own. Lifeless. Distant. And God, there's, there, there's no way we can operate in light apart from You. So God, use Your words today, use Scripture today to lead us back to Yourself. And how many would say today, Pastor, I've crashed, 
but I don't have a Savior to restore me. Because I don't believe that I've ever given my life to Jesus. I'm not in relationship with Him, but I'd like to be. I'd like to have Jesus save me from my sins. I'd like to be forgiven. And I'd like to have heaven is my home for all of eternity. How many would you just raise your hand and you'd say, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, pray for me. Right now, raise them up if that's you. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else like that this morning? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, ma'am. God, I ask in these closing moments of our time together today, Jesus, we want to we speak and say and believe in our hearts that You are God, that you are, you are a Savior, and today we ask You to be our Savior. We ask today that You would come into our hearts, forgive us of our sin, and today we claim and we ask and we make You the leader and forgiver of our lives. We believe as Scripture says, if we profess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, Scripture says that we are saved. So Lord, we, we celebrate new belief today. And God, we ask that You'd continue great growth in this church. God, lead us to whole, to whole new levels of just real spiritual growth that looks like big, strong, massive faith where we follow you no matter what. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Every man. Let's just celebrate what just happened with people being saved this morning. We're going to close with this last song and I want to just thank you for being here this morning. Make sure you're back next week. It's going to be awesome.